You're now entering a world where the world's greatest audience builders don't hide their secrets. This is How I Built My Audience with Blake Emmel. I think B2B has a lot of opportunity. Most of the brands are very conservative in B2B. Whereas you look at like CPG or sports and they're very, I guess if I said conservative, you could say liberal. So they're much more willing to try new things and be really sarcastic and try and create humor. There's a fine balance and you have to decide what your brand voice is going to be. This episode is brought to you by, well, me. Uh, my free Tuesdaily newsletter is called Creator Kit, and each issue aims to be worthy of mini course status. So join for free today at www.creatorkit.in. Again, that's www.creatorkit.in. We'll see you in there. Today we have Joe Martin. Most of you, if not all of you that are on Twitter know Joe already, but if you don't, Joe, what's your handle and what do you tweet about? Yeah, it's Joe D. Marty and primarily business and really bad dad jokes. Hey, I'm, I'm in line with that too. <laughs> and, and how many kids do you have? I have three kids, all under the age of eight. So I'm, I'm in the thick of it right now. Nice. Yeah, I've got, I have two kids and then one on the way. Oh, nice. And okay. They're all under the age of three. Nice. About to move to his own defense. That's, that's a game changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really nervous. So if you have, if you have any tips, first off, what tips do you have for me? How do I not let this totally ruin my just, everyday planning? Just, just hang on. That's all you can do. That's it. I, I think the first was the hardest. If that helps. Yeah. Three is just busier. <laughs> yeah. Number two was pretty easy actually. So I'm hoping that number three is going to be okay. Number one was pretty hard. Yeah. That's a game changer. Yeah. All right. Let's dive right into it because at the time that we're speaking right now, you've got about 46,000 followers. I, I want your honest thoughts on why that happened. Why do you have 46,000 followers? How did you get to that point? When did you start tweeting? Let's just get right into the thick of that because there are going to be people that look at your profile after this and say, holy cow, 46K, if I could get to that, it'd be amazing. How did you actually do it? Yeah, so I started an account in 2009 when I was doing my MBA. It was actually a really great way to connect with recruiters that wasn't just blasting their LinkedIn uh, emails. I'd meet recruiters at networking events and other things and would just try and have create, build a relationship with them continuing that on. So started off as a recruiting tool and a way for me to just practice writing and it's expanded from there. As far as kind of growing an audience, I think the bulk of it started when I was at Adobe where I was doing these... How long ago was that, by the way? Yeah. When did you start at Adobe? So I started at Adobe in 2012. Yeah, 2012. I was there for about seven years. So I just, I left two years ago, um, now leading marketing at Cloud App. But at, at Adobe, probably... Maybe six months into there, I started actively using Twitter as a way to connect with press. We were doing these really cool reports 
around Black Friday spend and using social buzz to predict movie profitability and predicting Google earnings, showing growth of mobile phones, making all kinds of crazy predictions about the Internet of Things. So I started, once we produced these reports, we'd pitch them to press. And then once they were live, I'd start using Twitter actively to connect with other press outlets and try and say, hey, you should uh, be talking about this because it's pretty cool. So that led to some relationships with journalists and press outlets, started doing a lot of briefings. They started, you know, tagging me on different things. And then also there was just a lot of like trend jacking. Anytime there was a big event like... Uh, the World Cup or March Madness, the Oscars. Anytime there was a big event that I knew was going to have a large audience, I always prepared drafts for things to say during those events and would just do a lot of posting to connect with people there. And then lastly, I just I got invited to a lot of Twitter chats and just really got connected with the marketing community. The marketing Twitter is great. Shout out to Marketing Twitter. And there's a lot of a great community there and a lot of seasoned veterans that have been on Twitter since the beginning and a lot of crop of new uh, talent coming in, seeing the power of social media and using that as a way to connect. Yeah. So that's the, in a nutshell. <laughs> and there are a lot of people that will also look at your profile and say that you've got that nice blue check mark. How did you pull that off? When did, when did that happen? Yeah, that, that happened at Adobe. And so I mentioned the journalists and doing a lot of press briefings. So I, I had people would actually reach out to me for comment on certain things. Definitely helped when I had the Adobe brand name. I don't get that nearly as much as I used to. But they reach out to me. And so I used that as like my defense of how to get verified in that I had people that needed to know it was actually me that they, they were connecting with. Interesting. That that's not really possible now because they've closed down the entire. <laughs> yeah, process. you're just the mercy of Twitter right. at this point. But I think they're opening it up this year again sometime. We'll see. Sweet. Okay, so reverse engineering a lot of that. A lot of what you've mentioned here is dealing with press and journalists, and you've got all these connections, and that's kind of how you built it out. What is your what's your Twitter like now? versus what it was then because i'm guessing that maybe there's some of those elements that are the same but maybe you are a little bit more you're one of the few people that successfully shares a lot about your personal life and just things that aren't always work and you actually make that work on twitter so i'm curious like how your twitter looks different now versus that yeah so i'm definitely less active than i was before mostly time time let much less time at a startup than I had when I was, it was part of my job at Adobe. I think it's about any, anyone will tell you this that's established an audience is if you care about something, just talk about it consistently and people will start to latch onto it as well. So it doesn't always have to be business or politics or whatever. If you want to talk about sports or your family life or the mountains or skiing, I talk a lot about skiing in Utah people will latch on to that and you'll find the audience that embraces that. So I'm definitely less like, I don't put as many just random thoughts in my head out into the Twitterverse as I used to. It's a, usually a little bit more thought out uh, and polished than it was when I was younger. But yeah, I think different people will latch on to different things that you say. And that's the beauty of it all. 
you talk you do talk about Utah a lot, and I'm from Utah as well, so I actually understand the things that you're like all, all the places that you're at. I think there was one time you tweeted something, and I was like, dude, I was just there this morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. We're just talking about Utah as a place for technology, as a place for people on Twitter. Do you think that Utah is everybody's talking about Miami right now? Do you think that Utah is actually a, a pretty viable place to come even if you don't have any ties here yeah it absolutely is and i'm actually totally fine with people going to miami instead of here since you live here you know that we've had our plenty of influx of west coast people coming into utah over the last year and raising values of everything yeah utah has a it's definitely getting more diverse that's been a struggle in the past but diversity is getting better there's a lot of good tech companies here including like Adobe, obviously has a 2000 person office here, lots of unicorns popping up, billion dollar companies uh, popping up. And I think once you get the like unicorns popping up, then that leads to new startups because executives of those companies exit and start up a new company. And that's really how Silicon Valley was built was just these new millionaires would leave their company or billionaires even nowadays and they would say okay i'm ready to start a new one and they would start a new one and since they probably have great funding that one becomes another billion dollar company and it just a circle continues so i think utah's growing and becoming a big piece of that and you know what always attracted adobe to utah when they acquired Omniture and decided to build here was uh, there's also just a, a few really great schools. BYU is consistently like a top 15, top 20 business school. Uh, Utah was a hundred when I went there and now is like a top 30 MBA business school. And the law schools there's, and Utah State and UVU are also uh, decent schools. So there's a good learning ground to hire talent that may be a little bit cheaper than the Bay Area. That's definitely true. <laughs> and that's actually been like when I started in marketing about seven years ago, the pay was really bad in Utah. The companies just didn't have to really pay that much. I've noticed that started changing a little bit as people are building second headquarters here, as the remote work movement has advanced. And so now it's a little bit better for sure. Let's keep on with this advancing your career talk and specifically gear it back towards like using social media, using Twitter, using your audience. In what instances has that been impactful for you? In what ways have you used social media and leveraged your audience there to improve your own career? Yeah, it's been really good for Cloud App. It's we use kind of my channels as a, a definitely as a sounding voice for our message, and it resonates really well with both our community and kind of merging my my group with the Cloud App community. So that's been really helpful, and I think there's lots of opportunities to grow those things together. So there's, yeah, there's been some good opportunities there to leverage social. It also was a great recruiting tool to two people that I've hired that are on my team currently were Twitter connections. I always post when I have an opening and apparently people think I'm uh, good enough based on my tweets to come work for me. And that's been a great way to leverage that. 
and then lastly is the our the cloud app podcast which i run which is called the dna of an experience twitter has been a good way to get SaaS executives on the uh, podcast. So we've had the CMO of Box, VPs from Zendesk, Google, Adobe. A lot of those are personal connections that I've made over the years, either from where I worked or from social media. So it's a great way to expand your network and and stay connected with people. Do, do you think that you would have been asked to step into the VP of marketing role at CloudApp if you had never had a Twitter presence and never really been online? Do you think that it would have had the same impact and they would have found you? In this instance, probably. Maybe it pushed me over the edge as far as like being a viable candidate. I, I was connected with the CEO through, through a mutual connection that I knew outside of social media. So I, I think it definitely helps it's far from leading indicator of success of the corporate or uh, even a startup environment leading a team, but certainly is a nice cherry on top when you're talking about your experience and say, oh yeah, I have, I've also built it myself over here. So it's kind of like a very public demean of what you've been able to build. I've, my last big question here that, that I do want to dive into a little bit is around branded social media, which is something that you've got experience with. And you mentioned like you use your own accounts to drive the business of cloud app because there's some, there's some leeway to mix things up there and to combine them a little bit. It's on brand for both of you, but running an actual branded camp account. So like the cloud app account or the Adobe account, I'm not sure if that's something that you've done, but I, I trust that you've probably seen brands that do it better than others. So I'm curious, first off, who are some brands that you think are just doing social really well? Yeah. So actually at the end of my time at Adobe, I did interact with the brand socials, the app, mostly the at Adobe handles. And then the team who ran all the experience cloud handles uh, were sat right next to me. So I did touch those corporate accounts. I think B2B has a lot of opportunity. Most of the brands are very conservative in B2B. Whereas you look at like CPG or sports and they're very, I guess if I said conservative, you could say liberal. So they're, they're much more willing to try new things and be really sarcastic and try and create humor. There's a fine balance and you have to decide what your brand voice is going to be. Ours is still developing, but we've definitely patterned ours off of like Adobe and Microsoft does very well of balancing value with humor and trend jacking. I think Slack is is very good and Salesforce also. So I think there's a couple of companies, big and small, that do it well and find that balance versus always trying to trend because of because they said something racy or off color or whatever. We can't all be Wendy's. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They're always up there. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like cloud up right now, you're in the thick of just figuring things out. What does the process look like for you when you go into a new brand and there's really not a voice yet? What are the kind of steps that you take to get to a point where you'll actually feel comfortable knowing, okay, yeah, that's what this needs to sound like. Now we can run with it and somebody can take this over. It's taken some time for sure at a startup. It's a blank slate. 
there's, and, and I think it's also, you may think one thing and then you can quickly change it because you're not at such a big company. And you don't have to go through the motions of getting 20 people on board with what you want to get changed. For us, it was meeting together as an executive team and talking what we wanted, what was our vision for the company, you know, what was our goal or the brand we were trying to create. And then it funneled down into how we would talk about things. And you'll see a lot of basically my time in Adobe infused in a lot of our marketing in that I think Adobe did things very well, still does. And so I've just taken a lot of those playbooks into cloud app and use that to shape our content and who we are externally. So for a brand account, even for your personal account, what, what would you say is the split percentage wise of personality tweets or personality posts versus selling or information about the product or service or information about what you do. What's the appropriate split just on average, do you think? Yeah, I'm not like a super selly selling guy, at least directly. So maybe that's a fault, but it, it's pretty small. The amount like people know that I'm at cloud app, I would think by now, but I'm definitely not shoving it down anyone's throat it's usually pretty calculated and like this morning i sent out something about bernie sanders had the picture of him at the inauguration day sitting back and and i said something like when you go to a meeting it could have been a cloud app video so it's in humor like it for people that don't know what that means they may research cloud app and see what i actually mean by that for people that do know what it is, it provides some engagement, but it's not like over the top. I'm usually, when I talk about cloud app, it's usually about saving time, skipping meetings, remote work, like there's a narrative behind it. But for the most part, I would say it's pretty, pretty small, probably less than 25%. It's more when I talk about business, it's usually higher level themes that kind of establish myself uh, as a thought leader and then that goes into cloud app so sure. this is my actual final question i know i said that <laughs> this is my last one for real what what's one thing that you have to do daily or at least pretty often that you actually think you're fairly bad at oh so many things the quickest way you'll find at things you're inept at is uh going to a startup and running all of marketing my, and my favorite thing is hiring someone and firing myself from certain duties. I, when I came into cloud app, I looked at our data and I looked where I thought there were the biggest opportunities. And those were the people that I hired first. So I hired a head of automation cause I thought we needed really good onboarding. We needed good newsletters and connection with our community. And I didn't know a ton about automation. I'd done email campaigns in the past, but not really super aggressively. So I, I brought someone in for that. I'm really good with content naturally. And so I th saw that as the next opportunity and I had done SEO for probably 10 years. And so I hired um, someone to lead SEO and help me along the way. I think it's notice noticing, noticing what you can handle for a while and there's a lot of hats that I'd love to unload right now, but just can't because of resources. So I'm just doing it. But 
I definitely know what I want to hire next. So it's always thinking about, I can do this, but someone else could do it 10 times better than me. And I built a plan here. We've shown some progress, but once we can hire someone to own it, it'll go that much faster. The key is recognizing that you can't be flawless and perfect and just really lean into what you're good at. Thank you very much, Joe, for coming on. Again, at Joe D. Marty on Twitter. Would love to give you a chance here to just talk about Cloud Out, Cloud App really quickly. And then also, if there's anything else going on in your life that you want to chat about, the platform is yours. However <laughs> long you want to take, promote yourself, talk yourself up. This is your moment. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, Cloud App is an instant business communication tool that allows you to create uh, screen recorded videos, screenshots, and GIFs that you can share on Slack, Asana, email. Really, the goal is to help you skip meetings, skip long emails, and send a video instead. So it promotes collaboration, promotes saving time, asynchronous communication, which is definitely very helpful in a remote world. Yeah, that's consuming my life right now, that and kids, kids at home and keeping them entertained and teaching them. So <laughs> nothing else I could really step on my soapbox for. I just realized we recorded this entire thing live, uh, or, or not live, but synchronously. So <laughs> we, we probably should have like, figured out a way to do this podcast on Cloud. <laughs> That's my bad. No, no worries. All right, Joe, it's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to How I Built My Audience. If you found something noteworthy or interesting in this episode, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And hey, share it with a friend.